Good morning. This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. And we're just getting out the door. It's about 5.30. Just putting the phone into the glove. Keep it, <laughs> keep it warm. <clears throat> and I'm just putting the compost out. Uh, we indulged and we had some um, tiger ice cream, which is orange flavored ice cream with uh, licorice flavor. And it wasn't that bad. I was, I was fearing the worst, but this memory and to you I, I don't know about you but I get I get those moments where I, you know it's like well, why not try it <laughs> it's not like there's any kind of ice cream police now just watch right there'll be this ice cream patrol <clears throat> Ooh, yeah. There's a little bit of wind. So just pull up the, get this, the glove around the phone. Snug. Ay, caramba. Right, so my thought... I, I, think, I think my thoughts are riding off of the last couple of days of um, Fantasy Whippalooza, this hashtag game, this writer's hashtag game on Twitter, and I'm always unsure, <laughs> I'm just trying to leave it open, it's like, really, it's whatever you want to talk about, but uh, just sort of having, you know, uh, talking points. And uh, this month was supposed to be ritual, and so, you know, um, looking at different types of rituals in, in the fantasy equation, the genre and uh, the writing rituals that we have, things we do. Part, part, of, part of my ritual sort of involved in everything is I wear this... Um, polyester Hawaiian shirt. It's got this great texture. It's It's got this amazing print. I think it's amazing. It's, it's got this kind of like a electric quality. It doesn't fade because of the whole polyester thing. <clears throat> and it was going a bit sort of darker and I I sort of doused it in, in soap and scrubbed it and washed it on gentle, everything was gentle. And the thing is, it's at least 60 years old. You know, and it's, I think it's going to outlast me. But anyways, I, I, I wear it, like say, when I want to sort of present myself, I'll wear this, because there's just something about it, me, sort of, um, 
how it's loaded, the significance of it. It's got energy, it's sort of joyful, and that's how I want to... Oh, I can hear wind chimes, I think. And it was interesting, too, there's some creaking in the trees. So, so yeah, so this month, you know, talking about fantasy, rituals and fantasy, and uh, hopefully staying on track, but I found myself this morning thinking about what Joseph Campbell called sacred space. And in his, in his I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and interpreting, but so when he's talking about it, it, it is a creative space, right? Uh, the use of the imagination, wonderment, the imagination, it's a space dedicated to that. You know, that's, that's all that it's there for. Which is great because it makes room for it. And it's a, it's a component of our lives. It's a component of my life. I was, I was asked to put it aside. I was, you know, you know verbally, uh, there were threats. There was, you know, sort of, this is the way that, uh, you know, you're becoming a man now, that kind of garbage. And it's like, <laughs> why is that garbage? It's like, you know, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't think you ought to be defined by, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of labeling, that kind of reduction, right? And that kind of stereotyping of what a man is, right? You know, to be a man, do you have to smoke? Do you have to sort of be a certain way? Rather than say, just be yourself, you know, find something that you're into, enjoy, play games, whatever your games are. Uh, <clears throat> also, too, that it, it could be just cultural. I'm, I'm sure that there's a cultural element to that where, you know, it doesn't matter what side of the equation you're on, you're, you know, there's a part of you that's shut down and put aside, almost like a rite of passage, you know, now it's time to have your wings clipped, kid. It's time for real life. Uh, but there's this thing. There's this thing called a creative space or a, um, a sacred space. And, and why the, why the mix... I'm, and that's that's the why I want to go after the topic, is to clarify for, for myself, but also to communicate and to explore. And I want to make some some leaps, and I want to bug some people, and I want to and you know sort of disturb it. Sacred space, thinking about ritual. Uh, I saw some, I can't remember where I saw it last couple of days, and there was, uh, 
neo-pagan. And then there was the, the flip side. There was the, you know, the, the, the pagans that have become the state, you know, religion, the European religion of uh, Christianity. And, to, and two, what a weird trip that is, eh? When you start thinking about it. And I like, I like thinking about, you know, yeah, what about Wiccans? What about, you know, these neo-pagans? You know, if they go to chance, you know, they would do exactly the same thing, wouldn't they? You know, it would be persecuting and hunting Christians. And, and then, of course, you know, people would stand up and say, how dare you? We would never do such a thing. atheists just just to go to the extreme of you know this stalinist communism you know where it's rounding up rounding up the religious you know if you don't subscribe to the party <clears throat> you know put the put the party as your god and I'm, I'm veering off track but I'm on track too so where am I going with this? I think the thing that got this going was I saw a an altar. And I won't say what religion is for. I I want to go for that it is I think I I think that that's what this the translation is for when thinking about Joseph Campbell's use of the term sacred space. But, you know, a desk where you do, you know, your imaginative, creative work. And I have this space at home. And it's not an altar. But it is. Like, I don't call my desk and, you know, where, where I'm working on uh, my story. Where I'm working on myself. And... You know, I'm I'm in the imagination. I'm I'm creating this um, experience, and then refining it, going back over and over and over, clarifying this experience. And I don't like I don't like alter. I don't like the use of the terms alter. I don't like the division where it's sort of, oh, well, we've got the right altar, you know, the good altar, and you have the, the bad altar, <laughs> the left altar. He was left at the altar. No, it's she was left at the altar. Oh, I'm sure it's happened before. And then, of course, there's this great sort of pun going on right now of A-L-T-E-R, to change, right? To change something, to make it different. And that goes to Ursula K. Le Guin's... I think it was Story is Change. Story is, is about change, it's about transformation. And the, the struggle in between that, you know, that metamorphosis. Myself, I'm working on that. And it's happening. I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect, like, say, 
where it just, you know, locks in and that's it. But there have been moments uh, of moments of clarity or moments of, say, flow state where you're in the zone. Moments of uh, peace, uh, moments of centeredness. And say that I, I would I would say that there's a, an increase of that. Why? Be- because I keep returning to it's like oh gosh this is wonderful I want to make this again I want to go, go I want to have this experience you know is it is it this door no it seems to have changed okay let's try some of the other doors uh, for myself I've got to do this translation thing. And part of that is that I was, you know, surrounded by these uh, hippy-dippy, countercultural. Um, there's this stark skepticism uh, surrounding, I, and too, I'll just leave it open. It's just surrounding <clears throat> uh, books about, you know, the supernatural, holy books, right? Whatever the religion. And, you know, just, you know, there's no Santa Claus, basically, right? So, so the notion of, of the sacred was sort of pushed aside, and it became, it became more, much more of a, um, enshrining ideals and enshrining <clears throat> one's own experience right that that became that became the, the most important and uh, the focus <clears throat> and two there's uh, pros and cons uh, to all of that just checking if the if the phone is has frozen nope oh, still going okay all right the glove is working so so i i i guess to do this would be say to do almost like in the sense of a theme where there's an argument is to is to propose the first the thesis then the antithesis and then the synthesis the antithesis being the opposite side and I think I'll go for it and just start with saying that it is a sacred space <clears throat> Much like in, in Star Wars, you know, that the whole Jedi notion. This is going to the first movie. Forget about everything else. <clears throat> but that, you know, that there's such a thing as the Force, that it's, it's a matter of faith, and uh, there's this spiritual component, this invisible uh, magic, really, you know. 
it's almost like they trimmed away all the fat, you know, and just said there's this thing. And so I'm going to go with that. Uh, and I'm going to argue devil's advocate to my own nature, which is to be skeptical, but I'm going to argue that it is a, it is a sacred space. Can I get away with saying I'm speaking in metaphor? <clears throat> there are rituals involved in, in the writing. There is this language. Uh, say, you know, if you come at, if you're from, if you've never experienced English before, if you're an alien and you came across a writer, you know, they're at their desk, they're doing this thing. <clears throat> You know, nothing seems to be happening for a long time. They're, you know, working on these letters, these, you know, using these symbols, uh, <laughs> adding, and then taking away, trimming. And then finally they end up with this, this object, this product. Uh, you know, n now it can be digital, right? So we have this electronic uh, collection of these, you know, little symbols, these letters of the, the alphabet. And, and if everything is arranged correctly, then uh, people will have an experience, and if, if that experience is, uh, I want to say con concierge, but like, you know, sort of like, you know, a guided tour, right? And then you could have a really terrible tour or you could have this amazing, entertaining, interesting tour of a city. And the tour guide, you know, say, would do well and, uh, you know, be paid, maybe even get tipped, get some extra money, keep their job. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for underworld tour. I saw there was an animated character who was this. Um, it might not even even been an anime. It might have been a game, but I just saw the illustration. It was this um, psychopomp, which is Greek, I think, for this underworld guide. Oh, that's uh, that's brisk. Oh yeah. Now we're getting that east, east coast uh, kiss of winter. So, so we're arguing for the sacred, so we're arguing, what are we arguing? Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of like the, the thing I don't want to get into. But I, I'm sorry, I, if I take that side of the equation, I can, that's the thing, I can do the force, right? I can do something like that, but I can't, I, I find it difficult to, to get on board with it. I think the, the best, easiest way would be to sort of say more the, the, the value, the value of the sacred, say, what is the purpose of it? Yeah, I can do that. So, the purpose is that the 
the, the, the work that's being done serves a purpose. And that it involves people in the imagination. It, it gets them connected to this, to the within, the part of themselves that is anemic because we're just so outside, outside, outside. And much the same way as, say, a shaman or a witch doctor would you know, go about uh, creating these, these sort of journeys, spiritual journeys, um, going into trances and possibly taking a person on these journeys, like a guided kind of journey, or you know, as a, as a sort of a demonstration, like say, look, here I am, I'm doing this, you know, ritual work, you know, a dance, or I'm going into some kind of trance. And the ultimate upshot is that I'm being active for you, and it's kind of like the magic trick. You know that it's not real, but there's that moment where, of suspension of disbelief, where you go, oh, you know, oh, something just happened. I just had this experience. And it's a really important, hopefully it's a really important experience. Or say it's this tether of nostalgia, so that the, the work that's being done at the quote-unquote alter that it it brings a person back I'm kind of thinking of like say you know how lapsed uh, people like say people who have stopped believing in whatever religion neo-paganism you know they, they've just put that aside and they grew up with parents who were into that kind of stuff and it's like okay come on you know, that's not obviously that's not real And yet later, in one way or another, they, they return to it, that there's something comforting and it's explaining something uh, that the world can't. That there's, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> a, a, a part of... I, I do have a curiosity about, say... Um, people of a religious bent, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking of say both sides of of the European equation. And what do I mean by that? I, I'll just go say Christians and neo pagans. And I know that there's all kinds of other religions, but there's this sort of say re- return, right? Oh, we're going to return to the old ways even though, you know, we've had to reinvent much of it. And then there's the counter-argument, it's like, well, you know, the Christians have invented, you know, that too is invented. All of these rituals that have sort of, you know, been placed one on top of the other in order to create this effect. But I'm curious about writers who will go into the craft, that they will go into the um, 
this creative act of imagining. And in a sense, that they will have visions, and that they will have these spiritual journeys and encounters. And that that they will be looking at it through the lens of their... What's that word? There's a word for ideology. There it is. So they'll be looking through their particular ideology. And two, I can swap in, you know, other kinds of ideologies. You know, such as, say, you know, the communist who writes fantasy. That would be interesting. And I'm talking, you know, the ultra-communist who's totally on board with the, you know, Stalinism, right? We've got to oppress... You know, that's the way to make this happen. And then on the flip side, uh, it's stuck in my head, but one writer, uh, we were talking about subverting tropes, subverting, inverting, and one writer mentioned making elves fascists. And, and I, was, I just had that moment of, oh, wow, yeah, because you, what is it, you don't have, to, to say that ultimately all elves, you know, are good, decent, kind, you know, that's not realistic. And if you've read this, the Silmarillion, you, know, you, you would find many examples of uh, greed, desire, etc., um, craving for power. Even the goblin orcs are corrupted elves. So, (laughs) bringing myself back, bringing myself back. Just to sort of ride off of that, uh, Tolkien, he's a Catholic, and he's bringing in there are these elements, right, that you could say with a Catholic lens that you can look at, especially uh, especially Silmarillion and then parts of Lord of the Rings, and sort of say the interpretation, how you go in. And then, too, I have some, or I should, no, no, I, I have some friends uh, who, uh, who are very much you know, not on board with, uh, say, you know, the, the religion of the last, the European religion of the last 2,000 years, say. And, and yet they, they love Lord of the Rings. It's a, it's a kind of mind twist for me because I go, you know, but you know... <laughs> you know the place it's coming from, but it's just sort of say how important it is, and that what I want to do is say there's a commonality of of the sacred, right? That what these these uh, friends and acquaintances hold dear is is reflected, so that so that there's a common uh, a common hope, a common decency, I guess you know, towards you know, being kind to each other and for for all of the of all of the problems. Uh, like say, 
when you're sort of getting into the, uh, what's it called, the Saracen um, demonizing of the other, you know, the, the historical uh, side. And that's tough too, say, if you sit down and you read it, and you go, there's this demonization, and then going, you know, but, you know, these are the, the ruins that we have built uh, Western society on. Not to say that they're great. Uh, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. What do I mean by Saracen? Um, just to finish with that thought. Ottoman Empire, Saracen, I think, I, I believe that Saracen is, is, a, is a term that sort of ties in uh, describing uh, the, the holy war of the, you know, the crusade versus the jihad that, that, that that's what it's in reference in reference to and and to there's there's a problem so you're speaking with the sacred let's see if we're if we've reached the getting close yeah we're pretty much at the halfway mark so we've got to sw- let's switch to the uh, antithesis but uh, just to end on the thesis that what is it that the value is the value of the sacred is intrinsic and let's say I would translate it and say that the sacred is the psychological and that there is a deep purpose to uh, to ritual and it okay I'm gonna I'm gonna flip I'm gonna sort of ride off of that and say start the antithesis the antithesis is the opposite end of the argument in Star Wars it's technology and that technology is better more important than um, the sacred or uh, you know the Jedi faith and when you're watching the first movie you, you can sort of have there's these moments where it's said, right? Uh, things like, you know, your lack of faith uh, is dot dot dot, or Han Solo is doing repairs, you know, and saying that it's more important to have, say, you know, weapons or a fast ship, you know, that they can do things that spirit, um, religion, the sacred cannot. And, I'll t- and to, just for myself, to translate that into this, the sacred as the psychological. So the antithesis to this is that we do not require a, uh, a, sacred, a sacred space or a psychological space. That that, that is not required. And two, I'm going to just go for it. Devil's advocate, I, I will say that... Yeah, counter-argument, what, what is required on the outside is stability. Say, if you have stability, 
if you take care and you're and you're prepared, just like the Boy Scout motto, be prepared, then there is no reason uh, to have a sacred or creative space. And two, on top of that, there is no need to go to a, you know, a religious outlet. Uh, you know, be it uh, Catholic or neo neo pagan or whatever. Uh, even even say stretching it and to say that all ideologies are kind of in the way of of being here and now, right? And so you know, just push everything away. Even even the Buddhists who are promoting or who you know, mindfulness has been lifted from Buddhism. So even pushing away Buddhism with all of its you know demons and reincarnation and moments of idol worship and on and on and on. Yeah, just the just the supernatural. The real is what's important. And that actually really nicely jives against <laughs> uh, it does not do- dovetail. But it dovetails with uh, the you know fantasy versus reality. Or I remember reading a writer saying um, I only write real stuff. I only write realistic fiction. And I was I was like I was biting my fingers. I was just I was just nibbling and just I just like I wanted to say but you know, it's not real, right? Even when you're doing nonfiction, it's not real. It can't be real. All you can hope for is a you know, taking a side or maybe a few sides, you know, of point of view. Every attempt, you know, the choice, your selection, the buffet of uh, description, right, for a scene or a setting or, or a person, you know, what do you choose to focus on? It will always uh, fall, you know. And and then, of course, there's the reader who brings to it the... It's like, did I... Oh, yeah, I walked the wrong way. But the uh, the reader, <sighs> what does the reader do? The reader, the reader brings to it their own um, lens, you know, and their own perspective. Much like, say, you know, my friends who read the Lord of the Rings, or even myself when I read the Lord of the Rings, I had no idea, right? I have my own associations, you know. And then as soon as he, somebody says. Or I read that he's, you know, from a religion and, you know, ABC, here's the reference points. It's like, oh, so suddenly it takes on a, you know, bizarre new shape. Antithesis. What we, what we need is somebody who's going to sit down and who's going to do the technical work. You know, not the imaginative work. We need somebody who's going to 
um, write down, say, with accuracy. Scholars, there's a great example. You know, that's, that's what we require. We require that the table, uh, you know, that the altar, that it is uh, for academia. That's, that's what we ought to be enshrining. And that whether it's the arts or the sciences, that we, you know, raise that above everything else. Why? Because it's real. Because it's, it, it's dealing with real stuff. It's, it's not about the imaginary. And, yeah. And to, not, you know, not to say to be totalitarian about it. You know, it's like, okay, let's burn the books. But instead, it's about it's about the focus, and it's about like say, rather than hide some kind of social critique, right? That it is right out on the surface. It's clear. It's not hidden. You know why? Why conceal it? Why not make it? obvious and so that the argument is clear why have these dramas these the theater where we uh, dispel was it dis, yeah disbelief why are we engaging in um we, we should disbelieve. We should disbelieve everything. You know, except what is tangible and before us. And uh, our, that our goal ought to be that we are hypercritical and put everything to the test. You know, and, and measure it. And... and Weigh it for accuracy, you know, and attempt to become truly present, truly present, and have of clarity. And just thinking back to my statement about growing up and becoming an adult and the maturity, right? It's time to mature. And just thinking of. There's, say, there's a lot of there's a lot of the ridiculousness in, um, like, say, from from the point of view of the the antithesis that that we haven't achieved that yet. There's there's so much, um, say, wars, for example. Um, you know, these uh, petty arguments, rather than a synthesis, which we're quickly approaching, uh, instead of the synergy working together, it's, 
you know, it's, it's sort of like, okay, we're allies one day, and then the next day we're going to be fighting, you know, against each other over very petty, oh, but so, oh, so important stuff. And it's like, no, you know, there, there has never been a good excuse for any war. And... <laughs> and they go, what about World War II, Moss? I'm more, I guess I'm more going for that, you know, the, the, I, the, the problem with the imagination is that you end up with, say, um, people going after glory, right? They're not satisfied with their own, you know, where they're at. And, say, creating propaganda about, you know, how, how great we are you know, all the while there's something horrible going on in the backyard, but we're so concerned with, you know, with the facade and this presentation of how mature we are. So I'm saying there's a greater maturity. Ah, there's a great video about, say, what civilization could look like in the future if we survive the next hundred years. And talking about things like, instead of idolizing actors and, you know, say, people who do, you know, ballads, instead that we shift and we value philosophers and scientists who are making the world better and healthier, right? That all our interest is about that we invest everything in survival and survival, health, mental health and push all of the other petty, childish uh, stuff to the side. You know, humanity, it's time to grow up. You know, you've, you're, you're ready to leave the nest. I want to live in the basement underground with the Morlocks. You have to pay rent. <laughs> Can I make computer games? <laughs> In the basement? How are we doing here? Are we at the wrap-up? If I, if I time this... I don't know, I think it's fine. Yeah, it was, we're, we're on the wrap-up. But I, I was just thinking that if I had if I timed this perfectly, I was trying to think of it like, as the three-act structure, which is actually four. But if you think of it as the beginning and the ending are equal length, the, the first act and the third act. And then the second act is twice as long as, as the first as the first act, and that you can divide up these, the second act in half. And, uh, I'm just thinking I could, I could do every episode like that. I do in a sense, but let's just make it a goal, is that there will be a three-act structure for ep every episode. So the first 15 minutes, you know, sort of like setting everything up 
and then the the next two 15 minutes, so a half an hour, will be this development, and then the last 15 minutes, which now we're getting into, is the payoff. Hey, we're learning story structure. Either that or we are reinforcing it. So, moving into the synthesis. The synthesis is the combination. It's this kind of a fusion, or it says the juxtaposition, which is where you, you juxtapose. You place two things that are different next to each other, and then you have... The, the effect between them is, is the synthesis. That we see something, that something is created. So let's, let's go with just the sacred is good, the sacred is bad. And what, what comes out of this? If you juxtapose the two. I I th- I think that the the say the the skeptic the the antithesis side would agree that there is something of value going on that there's something in people and you could go for the opiate of the masses and I I would encourage that that's Karl Marx talking about religion that there's that there's something in it, in the ritual, uh, in in the in the sacred, that people are addicted to. That it, which is that's a heavy one, and so uh, there's the symptoms and the cause, and what what is it? What is the paranoia that, you know, it's just, it's, it's universal and there's just something that, um, whether it's, say, you know, knowledge of death or, you know, impede, the, maybe it's hardwired into us, the impeding uh, doom, the fight and flight, right, just this genetic fear that's that's coded into us and that we we take refuge in the sacred and then by extension I want to say the creative and then I want to say the psychological right that we're we're looking for something in the imagination that is going to give hope uh, and then, too, for the psychological, it's the center. Give a center. So going from sort of a lack of stability to this, you know, sort of rock. This something that you can just hold on to and go, well, this, you know, this imagined thing is the stable center. Right? I can, I can look to that. I can get strength from it. Even from the psychological, you know, the uh, the antithesis, the counter-argument would agree that there's there's a need there. It's not just a want, right? But there's something really ingrained. Uh, 
where, where there's a kind of desperation that leads to whew, all kinds of problems. I would even say war. I would even say, of course, de- uh, addiction, regardless. Violence, if you want to just jump from war as a, th- as a synthesis. I, th- I think for me that to, to go for creative space, right, uh, to psychological. But I think that the psychological is a, it, that's the place, it's sort of the border between the sacred and the, uh, the imagination. You know, for the imagination, you can go, you know, make believe for children and religions. And then the flip side where, you know, religions are saying, nope, you know, there's things that you can't explain, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's the unknown, there's uh, the supernatural, you know, I've had these experiences, these people have, have had these experiences, we gain strength from, from doing this stuff, these rituals. The dangers. I don't really have a sense of, say, dangers where I sort of sit down and I'm thinking I'm going to create, you know, like, you know, this is, this is a religion. This is my religion that I've created. And that uh, now I'm thinking about it. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, but what if? It would make a good story, you know, but the sad fact of it is that it's one person sitting down you know with their imagination in their imagination and creating something they could create something horrific in in the context of say human morality <clears throat> there might be something cathartic to that maybe uh but you know it is it is an act of creation it's something is being made Monsters serve a purpose. I think, too, even if it's just so foul, you know, in the in the human equation, you know, that that people would sort of you know all agree that oh God, we got to burn this, we got to ban this. You know, it's it's validating um, violence, you know, towards people, you know. That it it actually serves a purpose. It it defines, you know, what is what is healthy and what is kind and decent versus what is not. I feel like I'm off track, but I'm just sort of keep talking uh, till I get there. <laughs> till I get home. Yeah, let's start heading home. So we're in we're in the payoff climax, and my my subconscious at any time can offer up its um, you know the third act solution. It's gonna just pull out the third act solution that has been established somewhere in the second act, and yeah, the synthesis, this fusion in Star Wars. Thank you, subconscious. <laughs> in Star Wars. It's the moment where 
Luke Skywalker is at the Death Star, and he has a choice. And he can just he can just fire the he can just fire this um, missile and rely on his skill, or you know, and he gets this message from his mentor, right? And there's questions there. Is it a memory, right? You know, we get the the music from John. Oh, anyways, from the soundtrack music, right? You know, bum 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 bum, and uh, we hear Obi Wan Kenobi's voice, and you know, it's use the Force, Luke. I think it's something like let go, and you know, over at the Rebel base, they they see that Luke has turned off his guidance. And so what's going on is he's relying on the inner guidance, right? And you could argue, you could say, it's his gut, you could say. Or that he's, you know, that there's this... Um, you know, magical force, right, that he's tapped into. Uh, you know, that his... The, the, the Jedi, you know, the force... I do like the notion too that say that say it's become kind of mythical that some people don't believe it, right? They've never seen it happen. They've never seen somebody use the force. It's sort of just stories, you know. And some people will go, "Oh yeah," you know, "Why not?" And then other people go, "Oh come on." But so, get back to this scene, and Luke, uh, he. He uses technology, which is this missile, and is missile the ship, and he uses, but for the guidance to get it there, he's using the force. The the way the missile works too, it looks like the force is sort of sort of turning it, making it dive. <clears throat> so this is the this is the synthesis this fusion of the two sides of the argument. Or at least that we're getting, it doesn't have to be a fusion, but we're getting a third thing that comes out of it. And... So, if our, if our argument is, is about, you know, the writer's desk, is it a sacred space, or is it a creative space? And we're saying, it's both, and it's neither. I'm, I'm bringing into it that it's psychological. Why? Because the imagination is, is dismissed. You know, to say it's not dismissed would be quite untrue. Like, say, if I showed up and... I was, you know, referring to the imaginary and, and make-believe, Pe- people would be dismissive. Not everyone. There'd be, there'd be some very cool people who would be onto this, and, and we'd have a great talk. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but, 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 to, you know, saying that it's, it's a, 
it's it's a psychological um, experience. It's it's the crafting of a psychological experience. And in that, there's there's a great amount for for myself. There's a great amount of hope that options can be can be shared. You know, and I, and too, I think this has been going on for, of course, thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of years. This you know shaping of experiences. Uh, I don't want to say molding of minds, but offering, what's it called, options, right? Uh, You know, saying you have a choice. You could go this way or that way. You know, the very very simple binary. A lot of our stories, it just, that's what it just comes down to, you know, is like, you know, see what the villain is doing, that's not nice, see what the hero is doing, that's nice, let's be like the hero, you know, but I just think, but grandfather, (laughs) isn't the villain also the hero of their own story? Now be quiet, child. <laughs> Grandfather, I want to be a villain when I grow up. <laughs> Let's see. Isn't it weird, too, because... There, there, I, I've mentioned the propaganda many times, but say story as propaganda and or story as what is it called you know enculturation right that you grow up within a, a kind of a system a story system a narrative and you think it is normal the best right way the good way and then all of a sudden things start to get complicated you know maybe maybe you're shuffled off to the war that, you know, you've been promised to by your, you know, allegiance, uh, you know, the, the anthem. And two, if you're, if you're worried about it, I'm talking about Canada. Or wait a minute, no, I was talking about uh, the, uh, the New World. There we go. I'm talking about the New World. I'm not talking about a specific country. And... Yeah, that uh, things start to get complicated. You know, your your friends are getting massacred, and the the value of a human life starts to become more important than the value of a you know what is it? Uh, let's say corporate power. Right, you know, or corporate overlord, or you know, some some kind of you know, because corp, corporate corp means body, so some kind of body, um, you know, promoting an ide- ideology. There's this uh, narrative, uh, propaganda, and yeah, 
and, and ultimately the question gets down to, at least for say the new world, it it it's getting it's getting down to the, the value of the human being and say, I think it's that you can be on board with a narrative as long as it's as it's serving the people as as, as long as it's serving the species then human beings um and then you got to throw in the environment too because we don't we can't exist without the oh no moss science fiction tells us right it's possible we could totally destroy the planet and end up living in bubble houses you know use use the uh, spacesuits on the earth <laughs> there's no reason to you know stop polluting I say even more. Oh, please, no. Um, right, yeah. Uh, let's see. Is there, it, just just to end up, I th I, th I think we're in a. I, th I think we're, I think we're good, as far as talking about, as talking about sacred versus creative, and. I think I think my the starting point for me was was to be looking at the religious and to be exploring the idea of that say that it's a creative that it's about um it's about crea um conveying communicating uh connecting the say it could be a culture or, you know, this religious beliefs, stories, right? And, and, and that these, you know, the altar, and uh, it, that it is not that dissimilar from the desk. <clears throat> okay. Thanks for listening, and uh, take care.